Well, good morning, church family. So glad that you are here today and getting to uh, worship through the word. And uh, I'm excited about this time together today. And we're finishing up this why series. We've been walking through that over the last several weeks of why, asking why questions left and right. And uh, just recently, I just feel like I've been coming across a lot of folks, um, in, me included, who are burdened. <laughs> And so I just began to look at this and think about how do we finish this series? And I just felt so called upon to say, why are we still carrying burdens? Ask that question. Why are we still carrying burdens? Because I don't know about you, but maybe things are going really, really well in your life right now. But I just see a lot of burdens. I see us a heavy people just hurting in a lot of ways. And so I just, I believe that maybe God has a word for us about that today. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at the very end of that chapter. So if you have your Bible, I hope you'll open up with me. We're going to be referring back to it several times this morning. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 25. Word says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to give you a little context of what's been going on during this passage of Scripture. Uh, Jesus has been and soon will be facing some major opposition from those who hated him, but also from those who were the closest to him. In chapter 12, if you kind of flip over there, you can kind of see that Jesus encounters the Pharisees. And you know the opposition Jesus faced with those guys, but Jesus does something in their eyes that was wrong on the Sabbath, and they call him out for it. And then guess what they do? They call him a name. They said, you're, you're Beelzebub, which is not a good name to be called. <laughs> they called him the Prince of Demons. Hurts, right? Opposition. When we get opposed, when people call us a name, it's opposition. It hurts. Also in verse 20 of chapter 11, Jesus calls out and denounces the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Can you imagine this? Going to these towns where Jesus does his incredible miracles and does awesome things, and these people look at Jesus and say, eh, it's not for me. I don't need to repent. They dismissed his message and his mission. But not only that, he faced opposition from those who were the closest to him. John the Baptist, a family member, a close friend, grew up with him, a first cousin. And do you know what John the Baptist says in chapter 11, verse 2? Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Can you imagine that opposition, that hurt, that pain Jesus is feeling here in this moment? Opposition from the closest people probably hurt the worst, doesn't it? 
Yet church, we can find ourselves doing the same thing in the same ways against Jesus. We find ourselves opposing who he is. And a lot of times it looks like this when we oppose Jesus' mission and message. It's, it's either like John the Baptist where we doubt who he is. That's a belief problem. We just doubt. Or secondly, we're like the unrepentant cities where we dismiss and discredit the work of Jesus in our lives. So what we normally do, we'll say, well, that was a coincidence or I, that was on me. I did that. I take credit for that. Or third, it's like the Pharisees and we just disdain him. We hate Jesus. That's usually how those things happen. And so we know and understand opposition. And so did Jesus. See, opposition by definition is resistance or dissent expressed in action or argument. But did you know that opposition has spiritual roots? It started long, long ago. Think about what the garden would have looked like. Did you know that in the garden, God creates all things and he says, look, this is very good. Everything was yes. There was no opposition until Satan came in and the enemy deceived. And when sin entered in, opposition began and opposition continues to grow. Sin continues to grow in our lives and that's what opposition and sin does. It's a spiritual issue, isn't it? Let me tell you a story. I, this uh, past week, uh, my brother and his family were in visiting. And so my kids' cousins were in and they went outside to play and they came across a snake and they came in yelling and screaming, dad, we found a snake. So I went out there to go look at the snake and it was this little tiny baby snake. <laughs> and I'm not the biggest fan of snakes, especially grown ones, but a little baby, I was like, oh, it's kind of cute. So I reached down with my bare hands and picked up that little baby snake. And a little thing tried to bite me. <laughs> and I, but I was pretty sure it wasn't venomous. I was hoping it wasn't anyway. And so I kind of hung on to it and showed the kids. Anybody else want to hold it? No one else wanted to hold it. Showed it to Leslie and she said, take it to the back of the property and let it out there. She didn't even want to kill it. That's pretty good. She's come a long way, I'm telling you. But I was thinking later about that little baby snake and how that's a lot like sin in our lives. We look at sin and we, we say, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's a little baby. It's nothing. I can handle it. I can hang on to it. And scripture is pretty clear about that. In James chapter one, how sin works, it says, but each one is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and is enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So that's what sin does. It brings this opposition, this spiritual roots are there. And here's the thing, spiritual opposition manifests itself or shows up in our lives in several different ways. Number one, it shows up just in the sin. It's in our own sin. Or secondly, it shows up in the sin of others against us. And we, we experience it, man. Some people have done some wrong things to you and sinned against you in big time ways. And what happens with all that is it leads to a brokenness. It leads to brokenness in our own souls. And here's how Jesus saw it in Matthew chapter nine. He looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looked at people and said, man, they are harassed and they're helpless. My, my, the inside of me just hurts because they're so 
opposed and hurting. So spiritual opposition is real. And here's what I bet. I bet you are facing some real opposition right now in your life. If you think just for a moment, I bet you're facing some opposition in your life. Some maybe major things. But here's the thing, church. We fight not against flesh and blood. A lot of times we look at somebody else and it's your problem. It's something you've done against me. But Jesus says, look, it's not a flesh and blood that we fight against, but it's against the enemy. It's a spiritual issue. So what did Jesus do in this passage of scripture? Look at verse 25. He says this, he prays, right? Do you see him reach out to the father? Just as Pastor Bill preached a couple weeks ago, that's where we got to start. We start with prayer and Jesus did this. Look what he did. He says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. You know what Jesus did? He recalls the promises of God. Jesus says, look, you, Father, you're the one that reveals. You're the one that shows up in people's lives. And that what you've done is you've hidden these things from those people who think they got it all figured out. From the wise and the learned people, It's hidden, but what you've done is you've revealed this to children. And you know what that tells me? Tells me we got to come humbly to God, church. You can't come in thinking like, I got this all figured out. We come humbly because children were the, uh, in that day, the the least of intellectuals. They were the, the least in society. That's who God has revealed this to. You must come humbly. So if you think you got it all together, you're gonna have a hard time coming to Jesus. And church, we can miss God. Did you see that? If, we, if he does not open up our eyes, but do you know, do you see how he opens our eyes? Look at verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus is saying, all things have been committed to me. It's all in me. Jesus has everything we need, and he's the one who reveals the Father. You see, we cannot come to the Father without knowing the Son. First John says it this way, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son also has the Father. John 14, Jesus says this, look, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so why would Jesus say this right here? He's saying it because number one, it's true. This is the truth. And he also knows this is that there is no other way to be free. This is the only way. This is the only way to be free. And so freedom is found in the son revealing himself to you. But here's the deal. We face opposition. And because we face opposition, here's the deal. We have these tendencies to bring on these burdens at that point. Jesus is revealing, he's saying, come to me, right? And that's where he says this, these often quoted words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And Jesus says this because he knows, he knows burdens are coming. Opposition will always lead to burdens in our lives. You know what I believe? I believe that Jesus felt it too. 
He's facing this major opposition and he feels the pain of this opposition. He knows that burdens would be a reality for everyone, that we're all susceptible to burdens. Consider how the people of Israel were opposed. Think about their story. Uh, They they were enslaved in Egypt. You remember the king of Egypt, he calls out to them. He says, look, set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. There's a point where the king of Egypt comes to Moses and Aaron and says, hey, why are you taking the people away from their burdens? Put them back to work. In Nehemiah, as they're building the wall, the people of Israel are so burdened. Over and over, we see the people face this harsh opposition, and the results are burdens. And just so we're on the same page today, this word burden in there that Jesus uses in this text is used to speak of a load of heaviness like that of cargo on a ship. It's like cargo. Y'all see my luggage up here. Any dads and moms in the room ever feel like they've been burdened by the cargo of their family on a trip? I hope you've gotten some time maybe this summer to take a vacation. I know we have. And um, I, the struggle is real having to, to pack a month's worth of clothing into uh, a bag for one week away, isn't it? Anybody else relate? Happens every time. But burdens are like luggage to cargo, right? So guess what we do? We start with a small one, usually. It's kind of like that small little snake. And we, we look at these burdens and we, opposition comes in our lives and we say, it's a small burden. I can handle this one. I'll just carry this one on my own. Got it. And it's not that we really want to, but then other burdens begin to come in our lives, maybe a little bit bigger, a little stronger. And we just start feeling like we need to carry this burden as well. And then we find ourselves running into more opposition, and so we pick up another burden. And before we know it, we get really good at carrying burdens. So we, we find ways to pick up another one and another one. We get really good at just figuring out ways to pick these things up and hang on to them. And again, it's probably not that we really want to, but it's just kind of, we're getting used to it now. Figure out creative ways to pick up stuff and just hang on to it. This is what we look like. Kind of ridiculous, isn't it? But we sometimes are so burdened down with our lives, and this is all that we know, that we forget what it's like to be free. So we just try to get comfortable with our burdens. We try to just figure out ways to maybe readjust and put them on in a different way. And maybe at one point we we set one of them down, but then we, I don't know why, we just go back to it and we just pick it right back up later on. Have you ever heard somebody say before, well, it's just my burden to bear. I've probably said that before. It's not true. Yet sometimes we get so conditioned in our lives, church, that we think that we have to carry these things and these burdens are ours to carry. When in reality, Jesus is saying, look, it's not yours. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's what we see in here. Because what we know about burdens is that they're relentless. They leech onto us and they bring us lower and lower. And I don't have to convince you of this because you've been there and some of you are there right now where you just feel like I looked a second ago. You're so weighed down. And do you see the progression? Opposition leads to burdens. Burdens lead to a lack of rest. But church, we're not meant to carry these burdens. That's the reason for the the message today. Why are you still carrying them? Why are you still carrying burdens? But you may say to me, Josh, this is all I know. You don't know about my life. You don't know the things that have happened to me. I don't know how to not carry that burden. But today I want to show you from this passage of Scripture in this verse 28 through 30, how we lay down these burdens. Look at this. Look what Jesus says in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see what Jesus says? He says, come, come. Don't you love to be invited? You see, the invitation is for you to come and receive this that is being offered to you. See, coming to Jesus, let me tell you, does not require that you fix yourself up. See, a lot of times we're carrying these burdens and we're walking around and and we're like, wait, let me figure out how to deal with these burdens before I come to you. And that's not the right way. We literally just come, come. He calls us to come and follow him. But who can come and how can you come? Well, first off, did you see what it says? It says all, all can come. All who are weary and burdened. Some of your translation may say heavy laden or those who labor. Are you exhausted? You burn out, you're tired? If so, you're invited. It's you. You get to come to Jesus. And when I think about these beautiful words that Jesus would have said, this is how I imagine he said it. Come, arms wide open. Come to me, all you who are weary. You know, when Jesus says all, I believe he's talking to to all, to everybody. I believe he's talking to the people that were the wise and the learned people, the people who thought they got it figured out, and the people who don't have anything figured out. He's saying, you can come. You can come to me. But look at this. He's saying, you got to know you got a need. The people who get to come to Jesus are the folks who say, you know what? I'm weary. I'm tired. I'm broken. But look at the result of what happens when you come. Jesus says he will give you rest. Isn't that good? Rest. Sometimes we equate rest with sleep. That's not what he's talking about here. You can get all the sleep you want to, and you may not ever have rest. He's talking about rest for your soul, something way better than sleep here. He's talking about a peace, a shalom, a rest within you. He's talking about taking these burdens off of you so you don't have to bear them like you've been doing it. So he says, look, I'm going to show you a better way. So look at what verse 29 says. 
He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. A yoke, you know what a yoke is? I should have a picture of this, but I don't. A yoke was a farming device. It was a way of of teaming two oxen together and having this uh, crossbar over the two oxen, putting them very in close proximity so they could pull together and they could plow a field. That's what a yoke was. And he's saying to take up, that's what it literally means there, to take up this yoke upon you and learn from me. But you know how to imagine the people are thinking a yoke? Jesus really a yoke? I think of a sweaty animal, a really difficult time. This is hard. I mean, you think about what the people would have, their context would have been. First Kings, if you look back at that, there was a time in the people of Israel's history where they're asking for the king to lay the yoke, you know, like give us a, a lighter yoke. Because they talked about his father, is King Rehoboam. And they said, hey, your dad put a heavy yoke upon us and it was difficult. But if you lighten our yoke, then we'll serve you gladly. And so King Rehoboam, he gets together with all of his advisors and he comes back to the people and this is what he says. My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips. I'm gonna discipline you with scorpions. My little finger is thicker than my father's thigh. He's saying, hey, we're about to lay the yoke on you. I can imagine the people saying, what is this yoke that you're talking about? The Pharisees of the day, they would have talked about the yoke of the law very proudly. We carry the yoke of the law. And Jesus spoke against this. In Matthew chapter 23, he says, for they preach, the, the Pharisees, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So what kind of yoke is he talking about? He's saying, take up this yoke, this replacement of your burdens for my yoke. He's saying, come next to me and serve with me. Look at verse 30, what the yoke is like. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Easy? Really? Now, I don't want us to get confused because the Christian life is not always easy. Uh, Jesus is very clear in the, in the Bible. In this world, you will have trouble. If they persecuted the prophets before you and they persecute me, they're gonna persecute you. Christian life is not easy. What does he mean by easy? This word here, easy, is also a word that's used in the Greek for kindness. We take up his yoke of kindness. What an incredible thing to think about. See, the reality of it is in our lives is that there are gonna be burdens in this life. But we get the opportunity, we will either carry the difficult ones that the world offers or we will take up Jesus's yoke of kindness. You see, it's in this exchange. It's not like, okay, I just wanna lay the burdens down and I don't wanna do anything else. We, we lay the burdens down in exchange for the yoke of Jesus. Do you see that? And what do you get when you take up his yoke? You get him. You get the Savior next to you to walk through this life together. What an incredible yoke of kindness that he brings upon us. In order to lay our burdens down, we must take up his yoke. Imagine it, let me say it this way. It's as if you had a man that's drowning and you you throw out the burden of a life preserver out to him. 
How ridiculous would it be for him to call back out sputtering, no way, this is not for me. I can't bear this burden. The last thing I need is this added burden of a life preserver around my body. That would be crazy. That is what we get. We need to take up his yoke. His yoke of kindness is easy and it is light, but he doesn't stop there. He says, look, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. We get to learn from Jesus. What an incredible promise this is. He says, I'm going to show you the way to walk. I'm going to show you how to live your life. It's a great promise that Jesus says, I'm going to go with you and teach you along the way. I imagine two oxen, they're yoked up together. One is very dumb, (laughs) not smart. That's me. That's you. The other one is perfect. That's Jesus. That's who we get yoked up with. He says, come and learn from me. And let me tell you, there's no better way to walk than staying in step with him. But there's one more thing I want you to see in this passage of scripture. Do you notice it? Look back at verse 29. Jesus says something about his heart. He says, as he leads us, we will look at what he says about him. He says this, I am gentle and humble in heart. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Did you know that this is one of the only places that Jesus actually talks about his own heart? We know a lot about Jesus from things that happened in his life that he did. And we see and we infer But here in this passage of scripture in Matthew 11, Jesus says, let me tell you about my heart. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. This is at the center of his being. If he's talking about his heart, he's talking about the very center of his being. And Jesus is not just trying to pretend that he's humble. He's not gonna try to pretend that he's gentle. That is actually who Jesus is. Is a church, he cannot be ungentle or unlowly for that. That's who he is. That's the heart of Jesus. And so when you think about Jesus and how he looks at you, do you think of tender? Do you think of open? Do you think of welcoming, of accommodating, of understanding, of willing? That's who he is. See, sometimes I think we have the wrong view of Jesus and we, we may have in our mind that he's looking at us and he's saying, I can't believe you picked up all these burdens again. Look at you. You're a mess. I'm disgusted at you. No, see what I believe, church. I believe he looks at us with tears in his eyes and his hands open. He says, look, come. You come. Come, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest. See, my friends, Jesus knew about burdens. And he made a way for you to lay them down. And I want to tell you, this is how. Look at this. He took all of our burdens. He took all of our burdens and he carried them with him and he put them to death on the cross. That's what Jesus did. And he took them. And let me say that again. I just want to say it again. He took all of our burdens. He carried them with him and put them to death on the cross. And so why are we still carrying burdens, thinking it's, it's our job to do that? 
I want to read back into the Exodus again. This is in Exodus chapter 6. This is what God, the, we sang about it today. The same God back then is the same God today. This is that same God. This is what he said to the people of Israel. And I believe he's saying it to you this morning as well. Because you could insert your name in here where it says people of Israel. You could insert your name. And where it says burdens, you could put your burden in there. It says this, say therefore to the people of Israel, to yourself. I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Not Egyptians for you. What is it? What's your burden? I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Check this out. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of, what's it for you? For them is the Egyptians. For you, it may be family. It may be friends, a really close relationship that's been broken down, and you're carrying this burden. Maybe for you, it's things at work. Maybe it's the task at hand, something that you've got to try to accomplish. There's all this burden that you're bearing at work. Maybe it's school or the upcoming school year for you. Maybe it's the sin struggle, something you've just been off and on just dealing with over years and years. It's burdened you. Maybe it's a sickness, your health. Something's going on with you where you're just burdened because of something that's not right. Maybe it's a financial burden that you're walking through right now and you just feel the weight of it. Listen, church, today, here's what I believe, that you can come and you can lay down the burdens, not because you're strong enough, but because you can take up the yoke of kindness and you can get yoked up with Jesus and he will show us the way. Learning and living and loving Jesus, it's what brings us life, church. So it all begins, do you remember it? It all begins with that first step of saying, come, just come. So today, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I just would offer this to you today, maybe a little bit different than we'd normally do it. We always open up the altar. It's for you to be able to pray. Man, I just feel like, man, we're in a place where you, some of you, maybe all of us, okay, been carrying some burdens. We've been holding on to things and trying to just put our arms around it whenever really we're supposed to lay it down. Do you know that scripture says, cast your burdens upon me because I care for you. And we're even called to bear one another's burdens. Our pastors are going to be here in a moment. We would love nothing more than to pray with you and you just to be able to say, hey, this is the burden I'm bearing. You don't have to share what the burden is, but I'm just struggling and I need someone to pray for me. We're gonna offer this altar for you to go come and maybe take in that step this morning of just actually getting out of your row and moving up here to the front would be a, a symbolic way for you to say, I, I just need to take a step of faith this morning and say, Lord, I'm, I'm laying this down. And maybe you've laid it down before. Maybe you've, said, you've done that and you, you just picked it back up. Jesus is not looking at you saying, what's wrong with you? He's saying, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. So I want to pray, and we're going to respond in just a moment. Father, we thank you, Father, that you have given us a way through Jesus Christ.
to experience freedom. Father, we, we have so much that gets piled upon us, Lord. There's opposition from every direction, Lord, and we know a lot of times it's just sin and the things of this world that get laid upon us and the burdens of this life get so heavy. But Father, we want to lay them down today. We want to stop trying to work harder and do enough. That, Lord, we would just come and find freedom today. Thank you, Lord, that you paid for our burdens upon the cross so that we don't have to bear them anymore. You were the burden bearer. And so thank you, Lord, for the promises that we have in you. And I pray that as we respond to you this morning, give us courage to take those steps of faith, to yoke up with you, to learn from you, to live our lives with you so that we can experience true freedom, true life. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus.